0: Welcome to the Collective Scope Podcast, where we talk to great leaders who are influencing the next generation.
1: Welcome back to the Collective Code Podcast here at lovely Lee University. And we're sitting in the office of one of my good friends, my best friend, Rob Fultz, in your glowing office. There's still no students here though, Rob.
0: Hashtag presh. You just call me your best friend. Ah, uh, you know. <laughs> you said hashtag out loud. So I did, yeah. It's, uh, I totally just so let's get, that. get
1: off the, uh, <laughs> the the vibes are that or whatever going on here. We have to welcome our guest, uh, Samuel Duth. He is a campus pastor for Awakened Church part of the c3 church network he is in socal rob you're a socal boy i
0: love me some socal man love me some socal so is the sun shining in socal down there sam of
1: course you know,
2: i what's up guys i hate to bring it to you but it is it is it's beautiful it's sunny i lived in seattle for a while and now I, the lord has called me to the promised land and i i stopped having to check my weather app so Thank God for that, you know. Exactly. That was that was one of the big the biggest transitions in Seattle. It's like 95% of the daily conversations is weather talk. How's the weather? Is it raining? How long is it raining? When will it stop? When will it start? Uh, <laughs> how many shots of espresso do I need in my coffee today? And so now now I'm down here and uh enjoying and join enjoy the moment.
0: It's sunny with a chance of sunshine as yeah. what it is in SoCal, right? <laughs> Yeah boy. I, I, honestly,
2: I think I I got quite a few unfollows from my family's uh friends in Seattle as well as Minnesota once we moved down here all the beach and sunshine picks, I just yep. I I started I started uh, getting in people's uh heads too much so uh, my follower count definitely took a hit. <laughs> yeah, <I bet. laughs>
1: so you you serve as a campus pastor for the awakened Church there? Um, what, what does that entail for us? Just for those that may not know what a campus pastor is, kind of what's your responsibility there?
2: Yeah. Well, and actually it's it's kind of about to fully step into that role. We we currently have five locations um, of, of Awakened Church with Pastor Eric and Leanne are our lead pastors. And um, that one of them's in Salt Lake City, uh, four here in San Diego. The fifth one that's launching is actually one my wife and I, my wife Katie and I are actually taking on. So we're kind of right about to step into that. So we're kind of in process of taking that on. But of course there are, there's so many different models, right? Of like multi-site church, mm-hmm. campus church. The way ours runs is very much kind of like a live um, preaching schedule. So it's it's not video venue. It's more local um, campus pastor preaching and then our lead pastors also both both uh Juergen and Leanne both preach pretty much every weekend at one of the locations so they we have morning and night services so that may be at one like a north location in the morning a south at night and those so they they get a good rotation throughout the locations and then the campus pastors preach about once or twice a month and we have guests and that that kind of a deal and uh and we have for our style we have Uh, kind of like a hub, like staffing, you know, kind of structure. So our hub office does a lot of, I guess you could say kind of week-to-week operations, right? So we've got, you know, kids and youth and worship and all that. There's sort of like a central office that is driving, and then they work with the volunteers, primarily volunteer leaders that are at each of the locations, and then, um, so the campus pastors then have a level of, 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 you know, management, but there's also a lot of empowerment and oversight that happens by the hub. So what that allows is the campus pastor, at least in our model, is while there is overall responsibility and and, and mandate on us to build, grow, all of that, there's also less of a focus. My My week-to-week is not Monday to Friday, office hours, grinding details, getting every meeting. It's a lot more leadership development, pastoral oversight, you know, that, that kind of a thing. So I'm loving it, and, I'm, you know, I've been a part of uh, Awaken here now for five years. And, uh, you know, so I'm getting, you know, into uh, you know, in all kinds of different stuff as it pertains to the church. But this is kind of a new official full role to step in as a campus pastor.
0: That's pretty awesome. And I, you know, I know kind of the model and the, in the multi-site world uh, personally, and I think, you know, I could totally geek out on conversations about leadership <laughs> development structure, you know, all those yep. kind of high control, low control, decentralization, right? Mm-hmm. But that's not this show. So maybe we have to do another show on <laughs> yeah. on that one particular aspect alone. Cause uh, you know uh, as a student, I, I love the multi-site paradigm and, and yep. uh, that's amazing. But uh, even for mega churches like you were a part of, like I'm, I was a part of before coming to Lee. Uh, even megachurches right now are experiencing a massive shift in sort of how we do church and how we are the church. Yep. And so, for you guys right now, just kind of um, under the current climate, I mean, what what are some adjustments adjustments that even you're making?
2: Yeah, I man. I, I mean, great question. And I think it's been. I mean, to say this has been a whirlwind, this has been wild. I mean, you can use a lot of adjectives okay. uh, for the okay. current climate that we're in. And it, I, I think it's it, there's elements of it that have been stretching and difficult and painful. But I think, like, I feel like most pastors and church leaders in the conversation globally right now, I feel like there's a sense of going well, we need to continue to pray for healing. We need to pray against this virus. We need to pray, you know, and, and work with God on the earth like we've been given the mandate to do to resist, you know, kind of sickness, disease, the enemy, all that kind of stuff. Within this, God is working it for so much good that it's just unbelievable to see, I think the church is going to emerge out of this healthier, stronger I think more, you know, people have been calling it a reset. I mean, there's so many different things like in the home life as well as in the church life that I think have been kind of uh, reimagined and said, okay, what matters? What's important? (laughs) You know, are all the programs that we got so busy with, especially in mega churches? I mean, you kind of start becoming the one-stop shop, all a cart. You got a thousand things happening. And then all of a sudden you're forced to basically cancel all of the, the schedule and really go. What do we need? What do the people need? What matters? And I think I, I pray that when we get done with this, our our, our habit nature selves doesn't just instantly go back right to usual in the kingdom of God. I'm really praying that this becomes um a reset for the kingdom and we get to focus on what matters so i think for us one of the biggest things and and uh, i mean 2020 if it's good for anything it's good for the memes right all the church memes all the things that are out there and uh one of the things yeah one of the one of the you know the good ones that is out there it says you know the church has left the building right? right i what what a great statement right and 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 even though i have no problem with and i think you know. Great church buildings and locations and gathering points for worship together is awesome and it's valuable and I think we'll all appreciate being together more when this when this season has ended, but I do think what it reminded all of us is is that the amount of emphasis on Sunday versus the rest of the weeks has been out of proportion you know and now all of a sudden we're all doing the daily Instagram lives and we're doing zoom stuff and it's all all of a sudden our midweek game i think as churches has gone through the roof because we feel the need to connect because we're not physically together on sunday but if we if we do the math on that and all of a sudden when all this is done we cancel all the midweek stuff because we can all be together for an hour to an hour and a half on sunday it 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 doesn't add up right it doesn't make sense the fact that we've put We've swung so much great value and focus on connecting with people, loving people, pastoring people, engaging people all week long. What part of that needs to continue versus what goes away when we're back together on a Sunday? And I think that's kind of a little bit of an unanswerable question. I think it's sort of like something we all have to kind of wrestle with as we go. But I think some of the biggest stuff we've we've majored on is the connection points uh, staying in front of people, keeping faith and encouragement, going out to our church uh, family. And I, I think we've seen a massive engagement boost because of that.
1: Yeah. It, I think that's one of the critical components and what I hope I'm in agreement with that, that engagement continues to rise yeah. um, whenever this thing settles or doesn't settle. I mean, my prayer is that it settles, obviously. Um, whenever that happens, does the engagement level of church continue to, to say where it's been because the, the commandment is still go make disciples. And I think, and sometimes the church got a little bit away from, from disciple making and we were just sort of raising up full buildings or whatever ministries right. or methodologies and, and all those things are good, but the mission has always been, let's go make disciples. Um, Samuel, our hearts really connect on that idea. I know you're a discipleship guy. So yep. um, how can we, in one of the conversations we love to have, how can discipleship be done digitally?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a great question. Of course, it's something we've all had to, we're we're forced to ask and answer that question now. And we haven't for the most part, there's some churches who've done better than others that being in that online space and, and, and being intentional about it. But this has certainly, uh, forced us, you know, I, I know for me, you know, that discipleship component is huge. I, um, a few years back, I wrote a resource that engages, that serves churches in that area of discipleship. And even for me, churches has been saying like, hey, you got an online version, you got online course, you know, and I've been putting it off, putting it off. Thankfully, a couple months ago, I activated, got that done right in time, really by God's grace and timing for this moment. So all of a sudden, even for me, I went from everybody wanting some type of physical, tangible thing to serve their church. And now all of a sudden everyone needs an online resource. Right. Mm. And so it was a total, like, even for me as, you know, you know, a little bit like a ministry entrepreneur. I mean, if you want to kind of phrase it like that of serving churches in a resource, writing different capacities, my whole life had to completely shift as well in this season and so I think everyone's kind of wrestling with that. Everyone had to do a little bit of triage to figure out how to just have church, so yeah. to speak. And now everyone's going, okay, now what does it look like beyond that? So I, I, think, um, I think discipleship, I, I sort of feel like whatever medium you're using, whether you're in person or you're online, the, the foundation of healthy discipleship is relationship right? Yeah. So I think discipleship grows best in that space. It's healthiest in that space. So classrooms are are great and they can teach and they can communicate certain things. Um, a stage and preaching has a level of discipleship elements that are happening as you're teaching them to obey like, like Matthew 20 talks about. There's all these settings that have levels of it, of teaching, instructing, training, discipleship elements. But ultimately, it's doing life with people, right? It's finding more ways that we're together and we're creating those moments where it's iron shepherding iron. We're creating those moments where I just, I see how you interact with your friends, with your wife, with your kids, and all of those spaces. So that's where I feel like no matter what we do, whether it's online or local, it's trying to figure out how do we create more spaces where we as believers are just actually doing life together? Because I don't know. I've heard that phrase like, like my whole life. Hey, doing life together. We're doing life together. And if I was honest, most of my church leadership experience has been more like we're doing church on Sunday together. We're not really doing life together. Yeah, you know? yeah. And, and it was actually not until I got into this season where I'm at where it, um, our church, Awaken, Jurgen Leand, it's, it's a very much a relationally like based driven type of model. I think part of that is because it came out of the Australia... Kind of Aussie, even like sometimes the European and Australian churches, or a lot of times just non-American churches, have a little bit more of an instinctive, like relational DNA, where you're actually kind of being together. It's sharing meals. It's it's time, and so I think because of that, there's actually been more of a, a relationship-based, driven style of uh, discipleship that is at our church. And now it's just translating that into the online space, right? It's, it's the lives it's, it's those moments, but it's also the online zoom small group environments, connection environments. So there, you know, there's, there's different ways we can do it, but I think relationship has to continue to be the bedrock and the foundation of discipleship.
0: Uh, Yeah, I think I would 100% agree with that. I think um, there's, Probably didn't take too hard for you to figure out where you're getting pushed back on the digital discipleship conversation, right? So a lot of people would argue that theologically, philosophically, even perhaps. Discipleship, digital discipleship is not, quote, possible because it requires a certain amount of face-to-face interaction, body-to-body contact sort of truth, which I think you would absolutely agree with. I don't think you're saying that at all yeah so, I think, in the current sort of climate and culture where people are being forced to either adapt or disappear basically right I mean that doesn 't mean right. the church is closing it just means they're they're not meeting or they're not functioning or they're not you know connecting with their local church or whatever so i there's a definitely a tension, definitely a rhythm that needs to happen there so for you, uh, kind of being on the, on the front cutting edge, one of those guys who are leading digitally well, what have been some of the limitations that you've seen in terms of approaching discipleship from a digital format? Not exclusively, of course, but what are some of yeah. those, those hurdles that you've hit? So as other folks, men, women lead digitally so that they know what, they're, what should be coming down the road, some challenges they're going to face.
2: Yeah. You know I think I think digitally obviously part of it is is you know if you're a church leader and you're whether it's youth ministry adult you know young adult whatever it is, I think this season does require a lot of clear communication right because the world has been used to a certain way so now if you're saying, hey we want you to engage in your Christian faith discipleship elements online in zoom groups um, in watching a lot online stream, any and all of that. I think the one of the biggest keys is just clearly communicating. Make sure you're helping and engaging people. What are the steps? What potential just technology hurdles could there be for people to go, okay, I've never done that before. What does that mean? And yeah. It's actually a little bit simpler with, with things like Zoom, which we're currently using. Um, they've done a really good job of making things pretty simple, pretty intuitive. So most people could probably engage it there just might need to be some intentional training, how to get it there. Um, I I think, you know, again, this isn't going to be a a long-term thing, but I think maybe one of the challenges is, you know, it's easy to kind of do one thing on a camera, but you're not with people as much. So holding them accountable can have a unique element to it. You know, we can all, Kind of put on a front for a video, get our YouTube light on, make ourselves look a little bit better, may or may not be wearing pants. you know what I mean, that kind of a deal. <laughs> I am, just doesn't know. Just doesn't know. <laughs> um, but you know, there, there can be some of those things. I, I think that one of the things that I think has been missing from a discipleship point, whether it's been locally or online, is actually just even some intentional systematic may sound like a big word, but just kind of as some intentional discipleship of the basics. Yes. And I think that that is missing in the church, uh, just in, in general. And so that's actually, I'm really, not, I'm not trying to just like plug my resource, but I didn't realize there was much of a gap until I actually started engaging with this quite a few years ago. I've gone, hey, people come to our church. That's great. We get them the Bible. That's awesome. They may or may not even know how to engage with that or use it. Um, we tell them to come back next Sunday. All good things. Like all these are, are helpful things, great things, and necessary things. But a lot of times believers are leaving a church service or they're leaving a streaming where they're viewing. And it's like, if they said yes to Christ, many of them really have no clue what to do next. Yeah. And And a lot of times we don't have a real good systematic process of Helping them get the basics. And when we look at that Matthew 28 mandate, it is to teach them to obey, right? That's part of that is an intentional teaching strategy, right? So sometimes you just think, oh, you know, hey, we're just gonna kind of do life together and all kind of rub off. Well, partly that that happens, right? But I think a lot of times we've missed that. Hey, there's a new believer. What do they need to know? How do they do this? What does it mean to pray? What does it mean to hear God? How do they read their Bible? And And then actually what I have found is as I've been engaging with churches more in this discipleship space, not only are new believers benefiting, but actually they're finding as believers that have been a part of their church for years, as they're going through kind of intentional discipleship material, many of this even seasoned believers are going, wow, I've never really learned this basic like this before. I've never, you know what I mean? Because we're usually on a Sunday, it's usually big picture topics or, vision and faith and, you know, love and relationships and all these are good things. And they're, they're kind of the big picture, uh, things that kind of keep the church moving forward. But when it comes to like reading the Bible, maybe somebody's never just been taught the one-on-one basics of how do I study it? How do I apply it? What does that even look like? You know what I mean? Like yeah. water baptism, we, people getting baptized, but when have we just fundamentally taught the broader group of our church? What does that mean? Why do we get water baptized? all these types of topics that are needed for the, for the basics. And so I think, I think all of us, maybe if we've relied on just a Sunday church service to kind of carry that, have to start going, what do we do to make sure people are engaging uh, with the basics of, of faith? And I think one of, one of the potential, even before this all happened there's some churches that are, we're starting to get more intentional with having online discipleship, like video courses, mm-hmm. right. That, that people could go through because even if you come to the church physically, it can be a great resource because everyone's so used to consuming content online. You know what I mean? We can, yeah. we can effectively start supporting discipleship. Now we're all forced to do this online. But I think long-term, even when we go back to our Sunday gatherings, we'll be able to I think maximize discipleship training in the fundamentals because what's great is you get people to get the basics then they walk out the basics in community right then they get to flesh them out but at least you know that people have the intentional training and I think that's one of the things we've done for a while is we've very we've overestimated how much people know when it comes to really following Jesus.
1: No I mean I, I agree Sam I think um you, you mentioned the Christian entrepreneurial and one of the elements of not just just in faith, but it's sort of been the the e-commerce, e-course rise of probably the last six or seven years. Yeah. It's been a huge thing in culture. Um and something that the church has been uh I don't even want to use slow, maybe the, the kindest way to say it, slow to catch on to, that they can deliver evergreen content continually. Yeah. Um, in a In a format that that helps people gain some of this basic knowledge um, yeah. we 've done video series for a long time in the church, but you had to b- go buy it and somebody had to put the v h s in and and <laughs> so I think what I hope comes out of some of this is a shift that we can um create evergreen content and especially discipleship content yep. that people can can consume because they 're already doing it anyways i mean right. your two highest like like um networks are google and youtube yeah people are searching google and youtube they're getting all their information from google and youtube um so what i hope is that the the church realizes there's a a real um asset in this um for their discipleship now again let's be clear it doesn't take away the the person-to-person accountability measures you you mentioned that yeah there's something that happens when it's just uh flesh-on-flesh flesh, people connecting that's different than a screen um so how do we and maybe you have a better grasp on this how do we take this content we have that we're creating right now and keep it personal
2: yeah you know here's an example of um a couple churches um are using like this following jesus online course and here's a couple ways that they're doing it it's, to where the online stays personal and this can apply now and it can apply when people are meeting in groups again but right now like they're using zoom and one one church is using it where you know, they have their zoom group they're online they're together and then they just screen share this video you know what i mean like that teaches on prayer right so they all watch that together then you know that goes down and now it's just zoom it's face to face at least in a zoom setting now, hey, let's talk about it. And how that, what do you think? You know what I mean? So you can use all kinds of material like that, or you could bring it into those small group settings and literally all watch it together. So it's it, you're engaging the content together, then have those group discussions. That way you're able to still keep that social interaction and engagement and get a chance to hear real time and help disciple people through content, because obviously you can hear how they're processing it or not processing it, and that allows you to stay personal. Um, Others are doing where it's, you know, whatever content discipleship you're listening to or reading or watching, they go, hey, we're going to watch that. And then when I jump online in my Zoom group, we're discussing what we watched or what we learned or what we read. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So the, I, I think that it's not really that complicated, right? In, in that sense where you have online media that you're consuming, but then you're getting together with people to actually engage on that topic to make sure that people are really learning and understanding. And that obviously that basic concept can translate well once we're back in groups together. You know, you could say, hey, everyone, make sure you watch this video this week. Right. It's on our church website. You know what I mean? Can watch that content, and then when we come together, we're all going to talk about it. You know what I mean? Or again, you're in a home. Somebody pulls up their their TV, and now everything's smart TV and access everything online, and they watch the video, they watch a the teaching, watch whatever, and then you're able to engage it. So I, I think I think in many ways it's not it's not super complicated, right? I think I think if we're not careful, we could actually overcomplicate the reality of this. It's just digital, digital content right now is really essential, but we can continue to use the power of having it available 24 seven to people. Like you said, evergreen content. This is actually a really smart way for us to deliver training development. This is good for discipleship, but in the church leadership standpoint, it's great for all kinds of things, training teams, leadership development courses. I mean, there's all kinds of ways we can actually use this, this concept. And I think what we just have to do, especially as church, like you said, sometimes we can be slower. We can really get married to certain ways we've done things. Right. And we got some sacred cows that are getting all, you know, fried up for hamburgers in all this season right now. <laughs> and you know, everybody who just swore against the online experience now, is like, well, good Lord, we get better get online. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, else you know and uh, you know um, uh, in the northwest because who very much not necessarily very much like a local church you know meeting gathering not really focused too much online after all this went down posted a comment said hey remember when we all like bashed Judas Smith for his like home app you know like thing." And now we're all just thinking he's the smartest man in the room. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, so just kind of paying out himself a little bit, uh, just realizing, you know, there, there's such a beauty to all of us being forced to to kind of reevaluate and engage. And what a, what a beautiful season, honestly, that we live in with the technology we do to reach the world with the gospel at a rate that the apostle Paul would be drooling over. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. And I think that's one of the biggest values is every Sunday right now, all the people that are in service who, you know, you didn't want technically on their phone uh, (laughs) now are all at home and they have the ability to be sharing, posting, getting the word out. The amount of people that have heard probably the gospel or a faith-based message the last few weeks is probably unquantifiable, right? Like the amount of people that have heard it, that maybe never would have gone to church, never would have listened to a Christian podcast, but now they're all sitting at home. Their friends are talking about. Their friends are sharing. I, I I just think it's 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 pretty unbelievable what's what's going on right now.
0: Yeah, I think one of the big things, at least up until this point, now maybe from this point forward, we'll we'll lose some of those what I what I really just equate to fears. You know, coming from a megachurch where you've got all the tools and the resources and the capabilities to highly produce something. I think a lot, a lot of leaders in local churches, especially were saying, well, I can't do what they do. Right. And so they were hesitant in that respect because they didn't feel like it'd be good enough or whatever. But now that their hands are being forced to experiment and try, I think one of the really cool things is, is that these, these gadgets that we have in the palms of our hands, aren't just exclusive to the mega churches. Right. And so I think, I think this is a unique opportunity for us to really encourage and empower smaller churches uh, to say, Hey, yeah, you can do this as well as anybody else can. And it really kind of leveled the playing field. Now, sure. There are some quality standards that are probably different when you have a $4 million studio versus a, you know, a, you know in, in your own home but the point is and i think the heart is is that you deliver the digital content right yeah put, yep. put it out there go like, for like go, go for it, it right mm-hmm. and and it don't edit it like let it yeah. be raw let it be unfiltered you know yeah keep it natural don't try to put like a lark filter on it or a you know filter or something you know what i'm saying right so, you know what a lark filter is it's,
2: it's, the old lark Instagram, filter bro catch up and Sorry. Yeah. sorry. No, <laughs> Yeah, I think you're right. I think I, I think this is, is a, the, the beauty of this last season has actually been that we're all okay with a little bit of like raw online content to where it doesn't have to be as fully produced. And my pastor, I, I asked him, I was kind of interviewing him on behalf of a few other pastors kind of getting his download. And I said, you know, what do you think matters really uh, a lot right now? And he just kind of, he brought up this, which I love is, you know, when Jesus is talking about sheep and shepherds, he said, you know, my sheep know my voice. And he said, you know, I think if anything right now, our churches, our people, you know, in times of confusion or chaos or fear or all this kind of stuff that can be out there. One of the biggest things is just consistently having the voice of the shepherd, the voice, obviously, ultimately of Jesus, but... The voice of your lead pastor, your pastor, right. connecting as consistently as possible with the, with the people, with the sheep, right? Because, you know, we're getting a thousand messages a day. And everything that's going on, chaos is breaking out, toilet paper is depleted, you know, I mean, just all kinds of weird stuff that's yeah, going on. Yeah. As much as possible, just having the voice of the pastor coming coming through as consistently as possible. Instagram live, Facebook, whatever it is. And, and not, not hopefully not being the same narrative they're hearing from the other channels, right? Hopefully the goal is us as church leaders, well, we have to deal with the reality of the moment. We're the echo of this, right? This is, this is the book that we all echo. This is our mandate. That's our mantra is to keep declaring the word of God, keep bringing faith to people, keep bringing hope to people, and 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 I would I would argue to say the voice of victory, like an overcoming type of mantra, should be the voice of the church, not the you know, well bless God, we're just trying to hang on for dear life, and who knows what's gonna happen out there, church? You know, it's like, oh Lord, please, please let's not do that. Let's not do that. Let's let's be the voice that says God's for us and not against us, right? Let's keep preaching and declaring and bringing a word of faith because that that's our role. Our role is not necessarily to be the leading voice on health uh tech tactics and details right. even though we need to adhere to that. Our role is not necessarily having all the answers from a political or even business standpoint even though we can encourage or speak into those things. Our our job is, is the soul, it's the heart, it's faith, it's Jesus right? That's that's what we have to keep kind of bringing to the table you know? yeah yeah
1: you you bring up the the lead communicator for houses for pastors churches um one of the things you sort of thrive in and one of your niches is to teach preaching which seems kind of paradoxical to teach preaching but i'm actually in yeah. a master's level class right. where i'm learning to preach after 25 years or whatever i there hope I go. get better so <laughs> <laughs> But so how are you seeing this, um, Samuel, in, in sort of how you communicate and help preachers, this tension of of being creative, of being clear, and being accurate scripturally? Like, how are you helping people navigate that?
2: Yeah. Well, all those that you just mentioned, I think, are super important. Uh, I do think, you know, even you're kind of joking after 25 years of going through this, I actually think that's one of the the beauties of and honest realities that we all have to we all have to admit that this well it's a calling and while there, there's gifting and there's anointing it is a craft just mm-hmm. like anything else that God right. has come put in our hand we get the talent we have to multiply it right so I think I think sometimes we have to be careful first of all as preachers to not assume we've arrived at it just because you know I've been preaching for two decades like that that somehow I've learned all I need to learn or I figured out, it's like, man, this is a a craft that we're honing and shaping because ultimately the message is not changing, right? The, the, the gospel is the same, but I have to continually get more and more effective at how I'm delivering the gospel to people. So I think I think that's important to see it as an always growing, always developing, always honing craft. And thank God, I'm a better preacher now than when I was a first, a junior high a youth pastor. <laughs> you know, yeah. just swinging for the fences, hoping for the best. You know, yeah. and uh, and I feel bad for that that audience at that time. But
1: <laughs> I've gone back. I went back to a youth group. This is new live. I think I mentioned this before. <laughs> To a youth group about three or four years after I left, I was probably I was about three years removed. There was a few kids still left, and I apologized for how bad the sermons were. Like in like (laughs) from the pulpit, I'm like, "Y'all got some real bad messages. I'm sorry about that."
0: Everything I said, (laughs) throw it all away. Throw it all away. It was
1: all I thought it was creative and crafty. It was terrible. Yeah. Yeah.
2: You know, the only, the one of the best things though that happened for me is learning how to preach to junior hires is junior hires are not really giving you visual love. Like they're not like, Uh amen you. They're hardly smiling. If it's a morning service, they're half asleep. You know what I mean? Like, so one of the benefits of that reality was, is it actually taught me how to uh, bring a word that I felt like was right, helpful, good, solid, creative, all of that without feeling like. I was dependent on my audience response, right? Cause that can be a crutch in preaching is that I'm pure now I, I want, I need to be become more proficient at reading my audience and, and learning how to feel the moment, you know, sense what's happening, lean into certain things, but that's different than facing like, was it good or bad purely on facial expressions because right, right. you know, you're going to have some people who look like they hate their life out there has nothing to do necessarily with the word you're bringing, you know?
0: Yeah, and I think you bring up a very interesting point. You know, when you're preaching live, it's a much different feel when you can react or respond or engage or interact with those who are participating or watching. So back to this whole digital platform concept where communication is as, if not more important, to be yeah. clear, to be uh, convictional to whatever, right? As you communicate, do you see a particular style? I know stylistic conversations are yeah. all over the board because there is no right style, but yeah. is there a particular communication strategy you think is important for people who are now beginning to learn how to communicate in a digital atmosphere?
2: Yeah, you're right. There's everyone's got their opinions on it. You know, everyone's like some are real hardcore. Like you need to have like coffee table bar stool, totally chill it out. No preaching. You know, getting people's living room, and some people are still preaching away. Yeah, uh, I would say our style of church are a little bit more about we're going to keep preaching away, right? Like like style, even in an online setting. Uh, having having said that, I think the bigger honest like my opinion is authenticity. So. I think your audience engages with, with an authentic you and who God's called you to be and how you preach and the way you preach. So while there's going to be elements that need to shift because you're not interacting with a live audience, if you've been like a preacher, a preacher, preacher kind of thing, and all of a sudden you try to get on a barstool and sit at a coffee table and sip your you know latte and be calm and go Andy Stanley on it, like it's not going to go well. It's going to be weird. You're going to be awkward. People are not, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah. uh, So so I I think you kind of have to just go, okay, what's my style? Who am I? And, and there just may be different ways that you're bringing it. I I think the big thing though is, is that you do have to bring more energy to the camera than, than you think you do. You know, it's a little bit like stage acting. It's like, you kind of have to overact the stage to connect with the audience. I think there's a level of going like if you just if you get in a mindset that's totally like, hey, I'm just chilling out, just vibing at home. That's probably going to come across too chill. You know what I mean? Like almost like uh, not engaging enough or not inspiring enough would be my perception or opinion on that. I think you have to realize that you the, the, the faith and the atmosphere and, and what you would bring maybe on a Sunday I'm going to bring that to the camera at a certain level of passion. It doesn't mean I'm pacing around. It doesn't mean, doesn't necessarily mean I have to be yelling, but it means like I'm bringing faith. I'm excited. Like how I'm doing right now. It's like that energy that you're kind of bringing into the moment. I think this is how I am because this is also kind of how I preach or I'm going to kind of bring some energy to it. So that's how I want to be when I'm, recording a Zoom when I'm doing a Facebook Live or an Instagram Live or whether I'm live streaming on a Sunday, those different moments. But I, I do think even going back to just asking about biblical accuracy, I, mean, I think that's one of the most important things that we have to maintain in seasons like this too, because everyone wants to like interpret the times.
0: Right.
2: <laughs> You know what I mean? Oh yeah. And yeah. Become an es- uh, eschatology like major and, and prophesying and trying to figure out what's going on and interpreting. And I, I think, I think certainly we, we want to, we don't want to be naive and we don't want to misread or, or miss a moment that God's trying to, trying to bring, but I think over-interpreting this time is actually unnecessary, you know I mean? I think there is a reality of a a season we're going through as a globe, there's a a financial and and health crisis that we're having to face or having to deal with, and we apply the Word of God to that, and we apply principles to that, but I I personally don't think this is a specific end times declaration or a sense on that, Um, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit, a little bit maybe, Chilled out when it comes to that that type of uh, in, in time focus. I think I think actually the the basic principles of Christianity and and the Word of God just kind of remain true. And I think that um, from just teaching the Word of God and helping people engage in that. And and I think being careful too not to try to impress a global audience when you talk about it online because technically now all of a sudden you go from. If you've had 50, 100, 200, 300, or even 500 people in your church, and now all of a sudden you have the potential audience of thousands of thousands, don't do don't try to be different. Don't try to come up with something fresh. Don't try to get super creative to where you, you're interpreting Scripture in some real unique way. It's just like uh, stay true to to the, the text, stay true to the Word of God. And I always think, too, uh, in general, not just with the current online, but in general, I think one of the the downfalls to the current era of creativity and freshness and bringing something that we all want to like have that wow moment where everyone's like, oh, dang, gosh, that was good. What a word, right? Like, we all kind of want people to react like that. And that can be like, like a, like a, like a hit of a drug where we get a high off of people responding in some like, Oh my God, like all the shares and the likes and the ads. And, and what that can end up doing is actually drawing us into literally heresy if we're not careful, right? Like we call it a
0: trap, I think is what it's called.
2: (laughs) We start chasing this rabbit of everyone thinking what I just said, you know, and I think we've seen even in recent times, people who've gotten addicted to that. And I don't want to name a name just, just for the sake of that. Right. And we all loved their content a few years back because it was fresh. It was creative. And I think they got addicted to that and then wrote a book that basically jumped them off the theological deep end of, into heresy about there not being in any hell and everyone just kind of goes to heaven. You know what I mean? And so, and, but I think that person is not the only one. There's many others who've got addicted to that. And all of a sudden, we're saying stuff that's maybe on the edge or even borderline off track. And I just, I think right now, this is not necessarily a time where everyone needs some crazy fresh revelation. Actually, people need a reinforcement of what matters most. They need a reinforcement of God's good. God's for you. God speaks. God hears. God heals. You know, Jesus died. Jesus loves you. You know what I mean? Like he rose the Holy Spirit's you know here to empower you know like we we need the basics right now yeah. in in moments of chaos, we actually need the unchanging, unshakable truths of god 's word uh, more than we need a flashy tweetable, quotable thing that no one's ever heard before
0: yeah, I, I agree a hundred percent i think I think you know seasons like these and this is not the only one yeah. the church or us will ever experience in our lifetimes most likely there will yeah. there will always be some catalytic moment some kind of crisis that will move us closer to faith closer to christ i i hope you know that's that's where we go but but i think in moments like this we we clearly expose soundbite christianity right and we need to rediscover sound doctrine of the faith right and this is not just a theological conversation i think i think when we when we pacify ourselves with soundbite christianity you know, we take the quotes and we take the tweets and we take the Instagram posts and we blow them up. Oh, you know that was amazing, but you know when when the junk hits the fan, I'm gonna yep. say crap on it's my it's my podcast. I can like say crap on my podcast. Go ahead, The crap, ahead. The crap hits the fan, right? <laughs> Nobody said down. Nobody wants a sound bite, right? yep, Nobody <laughs> wants a sound bite when 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 their backs up against the wall. I have two pastor friends who in the last. Uh, last two days have lost jobs one of them is at a at, at a mega church there in California the other one is a it was a pastor in uh, Memphis area both yeah. of them have lost their jobs soundbites are going to help those guys right That's it. That's it, it. soundbites are going to help the people who are getting unemployed soundbites are going to help the people who are are losing loved ones yes because of the virus and the corona crisis and everything but there are people who die of disease every single day cancer right. I mean I mean you, you can name it right Right. Sound bite doesn't work. Sound doctrine, deep faith, real, genuine expression of who Jesus Christ is in your life—that is discipleship. It—it's it, yep. beyond cute. It's beyond flashy. It's beyond cool backgrounds and screen graphics. And I, I know that's what you're after. So I'm not like chastising oh, you. So I'm not preaching it you, bro. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like affirming what you're saying because yeah, you're saying we I'm need to you. stay true to the biblical text, man. We need to stay true. Yeah. To what God is actually saying in these kinds of moments, and what He may be saying right now is not necessarily, "Hey, you know, I'm just going to sweep everything away and make it all right again." Because normal is not the objective of the gospel; it is transformational, right? So, so I think in moments like these, when when and I know I'm preaching a little bit. I'm sorry. I'm I'm socially live, so I've got a lot of words. But um, (laughs) I think I think you know I just love what you're saying about don't don't veer away from the gospel message just because you've changed your delivery method right, right. if you got to go facebook live now because you can't have church go facebook live man but but bring the word like don't don't try to be yeah. a soundbite pastor or a soundbite leader in a moment yeah. like this the machine yeah. will know my voice man give them something to listen to that is transformative and, and rooted in, in faith. So sorry.
1: Oh, and no, no, no. You quote Andy you mentioned Andy Stanley earlier. I, I like what he said um some time ago. He said, Be married to the message, but date the methods. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> That's great. So I mean Good he's, old he's, Andy. he's got a great soundbite for everything. There's Good old Andy, some truth yeah. to it. Um but I think yeah, we, we don't want to be cute, but we need to be clear. Yeah so like yes. like i am i'm with you rob sound doctrine is greater than sound bites every day but it needs to be wrapped in clear communication like let's not yes. be muddled let's not muddle it any more than it is
2: yeah
1: because yeah. the the narratives that are being spread no matter what situation we're in no matter what time we're in multiple narratives let's be clear and concise in our communication with the sound doctrine over sound bites, I think it's yeah. all the above I and, and
2: I think that's smart. I actually do think, like you said, you, you know I think every generationally there can be kind of pendulum swings where it was like it was all like you know a hardcore deep theology doctrine on Sunday morning, and it felt like you're getting a degree every Sunday, yeah, and then it kind of swung to its like you know motivational speaker just you you, all you're doing is feeling good, but you may or may not even hardly have read a scripture. You know what I mean? Like I think it swings from one end to the other. And I think it's, it's realizing that um, we we have to be able as, as preachers and communicators and leaders of, of the church and preachers of the word of God to communicate those deep truths, those fundamental truths in a way that people can grab and they can run with it. And I think to me, you know, um, kind of in, in preaching, I have that term preaching forward is sort of like what I've sort of wrapped my, my preaching, training, coaching, whatever, in that topic purely because I think to me as a preacher, I always want to preach with action in mind, action of the listener, right? Yeah. If, they, if they can't do something because of what I just said to them or preached, then have I really, have I really helped? You know what I mean? If I just talked and, you know, deep dove into some passage or unpacked some theological concept. Okay. Awesome. I feel better about myself. I had a good study, but that person leaves and, or they, they log off online, whatever the case may be. And then they kind of go, what do I do with what I just heard? I, I, I don't have the action step. I don't have any next movement after that. To me, that's where I think we kind of miss it. And I think if we force ourselves to go, can they apply? Can they live this out? Can they do something with what I just brought? It forces us to make sure we don't overcomplicate the scripture or, or, right. or just get so heady in our mind because we're a theologian or we love to study, and we're geeking out on it. And we need the people to be the theologians. We need the people to give their life, to get the doctorate, send the PhDs, and we need those people to keep writing and, and speaking to those topics and keeping the, the general population true to the scripture, not deviate. But then I think most of the time us as, as generally, as us as preachers and teachers of the word of God, we need to, we need to take enough of the study and the dive into it and then communicate it and deliver it to the general Christian population in a way that isn't over their head and beyond. And, and not that you're dumbing down what the general Christian needs, but what I think we have to be honest that there is a difference between those called to study for hours and hours and hours and deep dive into, into scriptural uh, truths and principles and, uh, versus the general Christian who's a part of the body of Christ and they're living their life out in these different spheres of life. And their, their brain just checks out as soon as you try to, like, go crazy with them right. on some logical concept. I don't know if you guys agree with that or not. But
1: no, that's- no, I, I agree. I think, I think the Bible speaks to us as being children growing into adults as in our faith, you know. Uh, I think Paul says, listen, by now you should be eating meat, but you're still on the bottles, on the milk. But we got to realize not everybody's at the same place so there are some who who need a little bit more meat but if we're reaching people who are basically biblically illiterate where you got a generation who have who don't know the difference between moses and david sometimes you've got to scale back so that they have an understanding of what you're teaching um so it's it's a it's a difficult tension because i think there are some people who are seasoned in faith and want to go a little bit deeper But when you're when you're sort of casting or broadcasting a wide net, you got to be able to reach the person who's never even heard the name Jesus, and also be able to connect to the person who is looking for something a little bit more with depth to it. I mean, do you agree, Rob? Yeah, I mean,
0: I think I think it would be. I don't think any of us are saying that that one size fits all. There is no one approach to preaching and teaching the gospel in terms of how heavy the theological uh, doctrine should be or how topical the conversation should be right. So I don't think any of us are saying that I think there's all of the above are are affirmed. We do need the theologians, we Mm -hmm. do need the the interpreters of the Greek and the Hebrew, and we need all of that to happen, right? So because it empowers us as teachers and leaders to, to be able to communicate more clearly the truth that we're, that we're talking about on Sunday morning, when we do have to explain, well, when I say, Ruth, okay, who's Ruth? She's this character in the scripture, and this is what she did. We got to give context to it, right so
2: totally
0: i think I think all of them are important mm-hmm. uh, I think all of them are essential. I think you know I think the heart of the issue is whether you're you lean heavier into theological doctrine or you lean heavier into sort of topical conversation stylistically. The key is make sure whatever you're doing that it I love what you say leads to an actionable step that helps people understand what they can do today to become more like Christ, to live more like Christ, to explore more about who Christ is, how he changes them, how he impacts them, who he created them to be. That's the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is not the pontification of our knowledge, right? We could all we could all yeah. sit up here and probably pontificate yeah. a little bit on what we know and what we've done, right? We got resumes, I got a CV that's 5 pages long. Who cares? Right. right? When when I'm sitting across the seat from a college student, they don't really care about my CV. They want to know when they come and ask me, I don't know that God has called me to do anything or gifted me to do anything.
2: Right. Yep.
0: Right. You know what I'm saying? So I think it's meeting people where they are. Yeah. It's commuting. I love what you said. It's communicating in in a way that, that uh, is clear and understandable. And I so get where you're coming from with, with your message because being being from SoCal, I, I get it. There there's literally a generational gap of people who don't know anything about the Bible. Some of my yeah. craziest stories in ministry come from people who accepted Christ and they had no idea what that even meant. They just right. know they just know that they heard the call and they responded. And it's like, okay, now what? You know? So uh, it, it runs the gamut. It runs the gamut. Yeah,
1: and I think we sit we where we sit in the South, growing up in church is a norm. Or had been the norm. So, right. so to the conversation we talked about earlier about being online, I, I would say for most pastors who are who are now moving there, focus on the people who were already in your pews. Yeah. Like, don't don't throw the net so wide now that you're trying to catch people. If you're in Georgia, you're trying to catch people in Maine. Like, it, right. it may not make sense. The context may not make sense. Yeah. So yeah. so keep preaching to the people who were coming to begin with. And, and let God work out the rest, I mean. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, I think that's good, and I think all this around the discipleship conversation, I think, I think it, it is a season where, where as a church, we, we have to just ask, okay, we've been gathering crowds, but have we been making disciples, right? Amen. And, so, and I, I do feel like, though, the gathering of the crowd should be more, I, I always think of like church, gatherings, the Sunday, it's like the military command center, right? Everyone comes together, they're getting stirred up, they're getting the orders, they're getting the command, you know, the, you know, the tactics that they need to go do. Then they get out there and actually do it versus thinking of Sunday as kind of the, the, the sum total of it. And I think, I think the way that we, I think we just have to make sure that we're intentional to go, okay, is there actually a place in our church life experience strategy. where We're actually making sure that people intentionally have been taught the basics of knowing and following Jesus, right? Is there a space for that? Yeah, we have a small group. Is there an online class? Is there a course? You know, I'm saying like, it can happen in so many different ways. But I just think we have to not uh, otherwise we we kind of Build away, and we're just trying to build, and we're adding people to teams, and we're structuring stuff, and you you get to places. I was talking to somebody else the other day. They're like, man, I was embarrassed because like I had somebody like on a leadership role, and asked some basic question about being you know, like water baptism or about by something, but you know, it's just something real basic. And the person looked at me like, I honestly don't even know what that means. You know what I'm saying, like, and and. We can uh, on intention, more of a structural organiza- organizational, like leadership building, church teams, all that that we can be so easy to get into, and we elevate people like in a functional position, right? Um, or we just assume everyone in our pew understands how to read the Bible, or understands how to pray, or understands, um, you know, what does it mean to share your faith? You know, one of the things I'm encouraged about just with some of the resources that I have and you know, like you version reading plans that go along with the stuff I'm doing. Everything right now is elevating engagement. More people are are engaging in in Bible reading. More people, like um, one of the, it's always interesting to me uh, sharing your faith, right? It's ultimately to me, sharing your faith or evangelism is a part of discipleship, right? Because a discipled Christian should be in evangelizing. Christian, right? They should, that should be a part of who they are. But what I've loved is I've seen an elevation of people looking to content that I have around how to share your faith. So I love that in a time like this, in a season like this, you're actually seeing an elevation of people going, okay, people are obviously hungry for and open to the gospel and wanting to know more. So how do we, how do we not only equip our people to invite people to church or invite people to a live stream, When's the last time we taught anyone in our church how to actually share their faith and lead somebody to Christ outside of bringing them to the church service mm-hmm. so the pastor can share the gospel, right? Like, I think that's a great way to do it. It's a beautiful way. So many people get saved in our church every week from hearing the preachers preach, here, myself or anyone, any, any one of our other preachers. But people don't have to wait till they get to church to lead somebody to Christ. Right.
1: Amen. <laughs> I, and I think I think the the season we're in has pushed on that. Oh, like yeah. I don't I don't know. I mean, I hate to say I don't know how else we would have got there. Um, but I think this this sort of situation we face with the coronavirus and all these things has has decentralized the church in a lot of ways and and really pushed on the equipping of the saints to do the work. Like yeah yeah you you and I may not talk to whoever you know Susie down the street knows you know or on facebook and and they may hear one of us speak or share, but it's gonna be Susie that gets the message on on Facebook and like yeah. what is this Jesus thing what is this grace or whatever it is so i'm I'm with you Samuel, that we have to equip the people to be ready with a response on how to answer the questions and lead someone. To Jesus. I think it's we're pushing back that way.
2: For sure. Come on. Let's do it. I think we let's got it do
0: all. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's <do> take <laughs> on the world. Let's world domination plan. <laughs> I don't
2: know about that. <laughs> that was like a carried away here. It's just a little <laughs> podcast. You know, when I, when I uh uh being, being somebody who was born in in the early 80s and kind of grown up in, in the Animaniacs era, depending on on how old you guys are, but Pinky in the Brain was... Oh, uh, yeah. ...that I loved. And it was like... I, so I was still now I was like, what, what's what's your plan? Oh, take over the world. That's what, you know, Pinky in the brain. brain. What are we do tonight, Brain? Same thing we do every night. Try I to take care of the world.
1: world. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, on that note, let's, let's, leave, let's <laughs> leave it all behind. Uh, we got one final question, Sam, we ask every one of our guests here on the show. Um, we are based here at the University College campus, and so we want to know what's one lesson you learned in college that didn't take place in the classroom?
2: You know, I think one of the biggest things I learned in college didn't take place in the classroom you know, I think it would be it would be the value of of kind of the the mentors you connect yourself with. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, there's a lot of great people that were teaching those classes um, where I got mentorship sort of in class. But I ended up, thankfully, you know, people kind of teaching me or showing me, or partly just kind of stumbling into it. Is I, I looked around to say who do I want to emulate who do I want to be like, what kind of ministry, especially, you know, for me feeling called to ministry, what did I see, what did I like. And I just, I found out how to serve those people outside of like just a classroom setting, right? Like what did they need? I had some graphic design abilities. So I was like, okay, hey, who can I help design something for? Not even necessarily looking to get paid because I was like, whatever I can do. Cause you know, everyone always wants, you know, to ask like, can I get mentored? Can I get some time? Can we grab a coffee? Man, a lot of times people that you want to have mentor, you don't have that much time to have coffee with that many people. But when I say to that person, "Hey, I know you got a resource, you got product, you got online, you got whatever," um, I'll, I can design this stuff for you. All of a sudden, now I got an hour or two of hanging with somebody because I was helping them with a project. Right. And so I would say that that to me is probably something that I feel like is a little bit of, a, of a, like, a life hack. Instead of trying to look for a mentor, look for how to serve somebody you want to be mentored by. And you'll find, you'll find access, way more access than you ever even thought possible when you actually focus more on serving those people and getting in their airspace in that way versus trying to be like more of a leech that's sucking time and energy off of somebody. You'll get more than, more than you need by figuring out how, how to answer a problem they're, they're trying to solve. So that's my, that's my thought. That's awesome, man. That's
0: great. Hey bro, we appreciate you so much being on the show. Uh, how can we stay in touch with you?
2: Yeah, you know, um, my, my main kind of website where articles, writing blog, resources is kind of my, my first last name.com, samuelduth.com. If someone's looking specifically for kind of the discipleship content, um you can get it through via that way but following com is 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 kind of my main kind of hub for all of that local online you know resources and discipleship content for individuals or for churches so that would be that would be that the the headquarters for all that Excellent very awesome. cool
0: very cool We
1: appreciate you coming on the show and sharing I mean some great insight and as we always say here at the Collective's Co podcast you have a seat at the table Thanks for coming on. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the Collections Code Podcast. Would you do us a favor and subscribe, rate, and review, and share this on social media so this content can reach other great leaders?